The other day I decided to uh, invite some of my Facebook friends into my study time to uh, help me write this morning's, uh, the, the, the intro to, to my talk this morning. And I asked this question, I said, what do you think of when you hear the phrase, to love completely? And uh, my friends didn't let me down, I had 115 uh, different comments, and uh, some of you gra- gave some really good answers, and I want to share a few of, this, uh, of those things with you this morning. I, to love completely means to love without hesitation, without conditions, without boundaries, without reservations, to hold nothing back. It means to give everything you have to, to another person. It means to completely give someone your heart and soul regardless of the circumstances. Someone else said to know someone's faults and to still love them anyways. To serve someone sacrificially and ignoring personal interests and desires. Someone else said to, to love someone even through pain, disappointment, or heartache. To love someone not, uh, or excuse me, to love by action, not just emotions. To give yourself sacrificially. Someone else said to love to your fullest ability, not worrying what it looks like or even if you will get anything back in return. And then I like this one, uh, to love without fear, to love without doubt. And then several people use the words unconditionally, unselfishly, unending or without conditions. Just all great answers, and I want to thank all of you who, who joined us in that conversation. Thanks for your help. Um, but it's interesting, as I was reading through this list, I, I started wondering to myself, I wonder how many people who, who, who gave me answers, or even those who maybe looked at the questions but chose not to answer, I wonder how many of those folks have actually ever felt that kind of love before, or have ever been able to express it clearly to someone else. So many of us, and I would put myself in this category, we, we have been in situations where we felt that maybe love had conditions or that it had reservations attached to it or, or that there were boundaries or that someone was holding back or, or that there was fear that were, or there, there was doubt. And as a result of one of those things, um, it came to an end. The relationship ultimately ended. And I, I, wanna, I want you to think for a moment about the closest relationship that you have in your life right now. It might be someone that you're married to. It might be a a dating relationship. Maybe someone you're engaged to. It might be a a close friend, a relative, a co-worker, something like that. But just someone you say, you know, this is the closest relationship that I have to me right now. And I want you to ask yourself the question. Based upon the comments that I just read, based upon the answers that my Facebook friends gave me this past week, are you able to love that person or that group of people closest to you completely? And if not, why not? Why not? What's holding you back? What, what's, what's maybe causing you to pull away um, from truly expressing the love that, that might be in your heart towards those people who are closest to you? Now, if I were to walk around this room with an open mic this morning and just ask you to, to, to give me uh, the reason why some of you might struggle to love completely, I, I'm sure that I would hear some things like... Um, um, you know, there's just years of unresolved issues, or um, you might talk about misunderstandings, or you might talk about past mistakes or past failures, or, or you might even talk about the deep pain that someone else has caused you. I, I'm sure that there would be some wounds that would be opened up, and, and maybe you would talk about the unforgiveness that, that, is, that someone is still holding over your head. You might even be wondering if it's even possible to actually love someone completely, if that's even in the realm of possibility for us as humans. Matter of fact, Um, The last comment that I got on my Facebook page, number 115, said this. Humanly impossible. That's all they said. Humanly impossible. And you know what? I would agree with that. It is humanly impossible for us to love one another completely. 
If we're going to use words like unconditionally, unending, um, you know, without reservation, without fear, without doubt, then, then there's just no way we can do that. So you might be thinking, then, then why bring it up? Why, why dedicate an entire morning to talking about this? Well, I want you to think what it would be like in your relationships, in that one relationship or, or maybe all of your relationships, if the hesitation to love completely was just completely removed. What would it be like if, if, if the fears were gone, if the hurts were healed, if the, if, 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 if the walls could fall down, if the boundaries could be taken away, if, if all of a sudden forgiveness would happen and the hurt would go away? Well, if you found out that you had one month to live, if you were sitting in a doctor's office and that doctor expressed to you, listen, um, because of this illness or whatever, you have one month to live, I guarantee you we would all begin to experience relationships the way that I just described. The walls would fall, the boundaries would come away, there would be no conditions, forgiveness would happen, and all of a sudden hurts that we, that we hang on to all of a sudden would become very unimportant to us at those very moments. Well, since the Bible says that with God all things are possible, I want to spend the rest of our morning talking about how we can begin, we can begin with God's help to truly love someone completely. To love someone completely, here's what we have to do. We have to draw from a power that we don't have within ourselves. We have to draw from a, a power that is not in our resource tank. All right? So you may say, well, where does that come from? How do I get that power? Well, 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. All right? But it is to us, um, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now, Jesus showed us the, the, the most powerful demonstration of his love when he went to the cross. And, and it's in the cross that we find the power to love the people that are in our lives, and even people that may be difficult for us to love. Um, because you, you, you cannot love completely without that power in your life. All right? Now, I think we would all agree that relationships are tough business. All right? um, we are bombarded constantly with things that come into our relationships that are designed to bring us conflict, that are designed to, to, to cause division, that are designed to bring friction, all right? And if we're going to learn to completely love people, then we have to learn to overcome some of those things that all of our relationships face, all right? So there are three things that I want you to write down this morning that, that we need to overcome in any relationships. First one is just misunderstandings, all right? Here you are in this room, maybe this morning, and you're sitting next to your husband or wife, or, or maybe uh, you're in a relationship that um, uh, you're, you're, you're newly married, or maybe you're engaged, or, or, or maybe whatever, whatever friendship looks like for you. But, but everything's going along smoothly. You seem to be agreeing about everything. You're making decisions together, and it seems so easy to, to you. And then all of a sudden, you just run into this roadblock of misunderstanding. It's like this big blinking yellow light that's just facing you, and you run into this roadblock, and all of a sudden it seems like everything you say is misinterpreted. It's misunderstood. It's taken the wrong way, and you just sit there, and you scratch your head, and you wonder, how in the world did we get here? When couples get divorced or they split up, it's not just one misunderstanding that, that cause an issue. It's usually many misunderstandings. It's misunderstandings that, that seem to pile up on top of one another, all right? Troubled relationships I've found are like onions. Um, when, you, when you try to get to the, to the core of the problem, Usually what you have to do is you have to peel back layers and layers and layers of misunderstanding, layers of unresolved issues before you can really get to the center of what's really going on, all right? And, and like peeling back that onion, it, it's going to require probably some tears 
before you actually can get through the process. So misunderstanding, miscommunication, misinterpretations, listen, they're not unique. Matter of fact, they're going to be part of any meaningful relationship, all right? The second thing that we have to deal with is a me-first attitude. Now, it is human nature to say, I'll meet your needs first if you will, or I'll meet your needs if you'll meet my needs first. Um, my brother Kevin was just up here on stage. He's sitting right over here. He and I, uh, I'll admit this, we, we used to fight quite a bit growing up, right? I'm four years older than him, and uh, we just used to scrap like crazy. It was just, you know, now we have a, just, we get along great, and I wouldn't tangle with him at all because he's bigger than me, but, um, but we used to, one of the things that we used to fight over was who was going to sit in the front seat of the car, all right? It was like the door would open and we would sprint to the car to see who was going to sit. And of course, you know, when you're the older brother, it's like pecking order. You get the front seat automatically. It's just understood. But, but he was very confused about that growing up, <laughs> all right? And so, you know, there would be times he would get to the front seat and, you know, and then I would sit in the back and just barrage him with comments, you know, that kind of thing. And he'd be going, <laughs> I got, you know, what kind of thing. And we used to fight, fight over the front seat. Why? Because it's, it's human nature to have this me first kind of attitude, all right? We don't want the back seat. What we want is the best seat, all right? And it's human nature for me to want to meet, you know, to have my needs met before I meet the needs of other people. And yet that kind of attitude, what does it do? It creates huge issues in relationships. And many times it's an issue that's hard to overcome. The third thing is just mistakes. And this might be the most deadly of all of the relational issues that people deal with because you know, you can get over a misunderstanding. You can even work through some of the me-first attitudes that we have in our lives. But I'll tell you what, when you mess up, you know, when you mess up, it, it's, a, it's a lot tougher to get through, isn't it? And this is where I find a re- lot of relationships get buried. This is where a lot of folks will walk out and they will abandon a relationship. When you get, when you get hurt, it is easy, what happens, for, for bitterness to creep into your heart. It's kind of a protection mechanism so that you're making sure that you're never going to get hurt again. The problem with that is it's very difficult for relationships to survive bitter feelings. All right? Relationships can survive anger. If you really love someone, I mean, sometimes there's going to be a little anger. Matter of fact, the Bible says it's okay in the right context and in the right way to, to get a little angry about some things. In the right, the, you know, the right things in the right way, and that's the key to that. But bitterness will destroy a relationship if you don't take care of it. All right? It will not only destroy a relationship, but it will destroy you. It's like a poison that creeps into a relationship, and it slowly begins to destroy everything that comes in conflict with. All right? Now, to really love someone completely, we have to learn to overcome these three things. Misunderstandings, a me-first attitude, all right? and some of the mistakes that we make. And I think if we truly had one month to live, all right, if that, if that was put in front of us, you only have one month to live, I mean, we would be amazed at how the, the layers of misunderstanding would just naturally unpeel. We would be astonished at how unselfishness would suddenly just kind of go away. And we would probably be shocked at how quickly we would be able to get through our bitterness and how easily it would be for us to forgive someone else. Now, again, I talk with a lot of couples about, you know, a lot of the issues that they're dealing with. And some of them have huge issues, issues that have been building up for years. And quite honestly, um, Every time I deal with, couple with couples with huge issues, I, I will refer them to a professional counselor so that they can truly dig into that stuff. They have the knowledge and the ability to do that kind of thing. But here's what I've learned as well. Very few couples that I've talked to over the years, they rarely do they ever want to quit. They just want things to change. 
they just want things to get better. They don't want to give up. They just want they just want to they just want to get back to something that they remember that was positive, and they just want to make a change. And so, for all of us, regardless of what kind of relationship that we're talking about this morning, including our coworkers, our friends, our our relatives, it's not just marriage or dating. Um, to really learn to love the people that are in our lives, we have to overcome some of the relational issues that we face, and we have to learn to grow in our willingness and our ability to pour ourselves into those that we love. And since having good, solid relationships is not for wimps, meaning that it's not easy, we're going to need some supernatural help. We're going to need God's power to love completely. And here's the great thing. The great thing about that is his supply is limitless. All right? God's power to love completely uh, is, is it, it never goes up in price because it's completely free to us. And so where do we tap into this never-ending supply? Where do, we, where do we get hooked up with this? Well, let me tell you, it begins with the Bible. It begins with the Bible. The Bible has some very clear steps on how we, how, um, we can take some steps to, to love others as if we only had one month to live. Now, I want to give you three things. Three steps that we need to take if we're going to truly learn to love completely. The first one is this. Very simple. We need to learn to accept one another. We need to learn to accept one another. To truly love completely, we have to learn to accept one another unconditionally. With faults and all. Warts, mistakes, everything. All right? The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 15, verse 7, he says, Accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Now, to accept one another means that I stop trying to change them and I try to understand them. Now, how in the world can we understand each other when we're so different? I mean, we've all come into these relationships with just, you know, not only a bucket full of broken things and this and that, but but with very different backgrounds. And it goes back to what I said earlier. Here's what we have to do. We have to rely on God's power. God would not give you the wife that he's given you. God would not give you the husband that he's given you. God would not give you the friend that he's given you. God would not give you or put you in a relationship with a coworker if he didn't first give you or, or offer to you the God-given ability to understand them. All right? Now, I think all of us would agree that, that men and women, we are very, very different when it comes to relationships. All right? And ladies, one thing that I've learned over the years from, from marriage and 18 years almost of marriage and then a lot of years of counseling others is that you like us to be men, all right? But you want us to relate to you like a woman, all right? And, and you really don't want to change us into a woman, fortunately, but there is a key that you have to learn. We have to learn, first of all, how to relate to each other, how to understand each other, all right? The, the key is learning to understand. Now, um, I want to I give you 10 steps, 10 things that, that, men, that, that we, we wish women would understand about us, okay? And if Amy were up here, she would give you the flip side of this. And, and, but I want to throw out just 10 things. Ladies, I want you to, to really zone in on this because they're very simple things, but, but they're important things. And, and I want to just give you this. I didn't write this, okay? So... Don't send me emails or anything like that. I, I didn't write this, but, but, but they're good. Number 10, um, 10 simple things men really wish women understood about them. Number, one, number 10, ladies, if something we said can be interpreted two ways, and one of those ways makes you sad or angry, we meant the other one. Okay? Very simple. Okay, guys, you with me on this one? Okay? Number nine, all right, I'm just going to say it, and you may be surprised that I'm saying this in church, but 
Learn to work the toilet seat, all right? You're a big girl. If it's up, put it down. Don't complain. Don't gripe about it. It's just that simple. I didn't write this, okay? I just want to say that again, all right? Number eight, we're not thinking about you. Live with it, all right? There's a lot of mixed emotions going on in here right now, or feedback I'm getting, all right? Um, Ten simple things that somebody else wrote, all right? Number seven, when we, when we have to go somewhere, absolutely, any, absolutely anything you wear is fine. Really, trust us, anything, okay? Number six, come to us with a problem only if you want help solving it because that's what we do. Sympathy is what your girlfriends are for. Ooh, I'm feeling some, some bad vibes here. Number five, when, whenever possible, please say whatever you have to say during the commercials if you can. All right. Number four, Christopher, Christopher Columbus didn't need directions, and neither do we. Number three, I'm just going to throw this out here, okay? If something itches, it will be scratched, all right? We do that. It's no big, de- no big deal. Don't make a big deal out of it, okay? <laughs> Number two. We're not mind readers, and we never will be. Our lack of mind reading ability is not proof of how little we care about you. We do a lot of other things to prove how little we care, but it's not that. Okay? And the number one simple thing that we really wish women would understand about us is, if we ask what is wrong and you say nothing, we will act as if nothing is wrong. We know you're lying, but it's not worth the hassle. Now... Guys, it's just that simple, isn't it? Wouldn't you say, guys, I mean, some of you don't want to clap because you're afraid of this, you know, that whole kind of thing. Um, Now, truly, that's funny stuff, but there is a flip side to that. As I said earlier, if Amy were up here, she would give you a totally different side of that whole thing. But but the seriousness of all of that is that if we could truly learn to accept one another, we would take our relationships to to new heights. Now, I want to give you a definition of acceptance, and this was written by a woman. Acceptance means stop trying to change me and start cherishing me. Stop trying to change me and start cherishing me. You really haven't accepted someone. Hey, were, were women trying to clap during that moment right there? Ladies, go ahead. Just, woo, you know, you can do the wave if you want. Um, see, here's it. You really haven't accepted someone if you're constantly trying to change them. Now, Amy and I have very similar personalities. We're very much alike. Um, Matter of fact, if you know anything about the Myers-Briggs test, we are there's 16 boxes that give you a unique score about your personality, and we land on the very same box. It's an ENFP box, all right? And before we um, started Westridge, um, we had to go through some psychological tests. Amy was fine. I was crazy. Um, but we landed on the exact same box, and I remember the psychologist who gave that test, she said to us, she says, in all of my years, and I think it was like eight-plus years of doing this and giving these tests, to thousands and thousands of people, she said, you're the first couple that's ever landed on the same box. And here's what she said to us. She said, you're either going to destroy each other or you're going to be the dynamic duo. Now, since I'm still standing here and I'm alive, things seem to be working out okay. Um, However, even though we like a lot of the same things, we're wired very similarly. I mean, over the last 18 years, um, what we've discovered is that we're very different. 
and we continue to discover a lot of things about us that are very different. And it's those differences that continue to keep our marriage fun, that continue to, to keep our marriage exciting to both of us. And, and, you know, many of you are very different from your spouse, all right? I mean, your boxes would be totally, one of you is an introvert, the other is an extrovert, and they say a lot of times that opposites, when at first they attract and then eventually they attack. So we have to work through that stuff too. But I think every woman, every woman that I know of wants to feel cherished and treasured by her husband. Now, ladies, I don't know if we would use the word cherish to describe how what we need from you, okay? It's kind of a girly word, but but what we do need is to feel admired, and we need to feel that, that you accept us for who we are. Now, when I think about kids, I think all the kids that I know, I mean, everyone that I've ever worked with, the kids in our church, they all want to feel treasured and cherished by a parent, and not to feel as if there's some kind of ideal that they could never attain to, or as if... They're, they're always falling short of some expectation, all right? Now, guys, I want to give you some really good news, okay? And I want you, this is a, you need to look at me right now. Everybody look at me. Shake your head if you okay. You don't have to understand your wife. You don't have to understand your wife. You just have to try to understand her, okay? And, and I know with Amy, if I am genuinely trying to understand her, she feels cherished. She feels important to me. She feels like I'm in the game with her, that I'm working through life with her, that I'm making an attempt to try to listen and understand her. And so here's what we've got to do. We've got to accept one another. And part of that is just learning how to say, you know what, I'm going to do my best to get in the game with you and to try to understand who you are and how you're wired. The second thing is we've got to love one another with actions, with actions, all right? John 13, 34, a new command I give to you, Jesus writes, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, if we're going to learn to love completely, then we've got to put some actions to our words. It's great to say the words, I love you. We need to be saying those words. But those words really become powerful when they are followed up with actions. I'm going to give you three C's that really put love into action. The first one's consideration. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 says, Each of you should look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. That means that you need to look to meet the needs of those you love before you meet your own needs. I need to look to meet Amy's needs before I meet my own. She needs to look to meet my needs before she meets her own, all right? The problem in a lot of marriages is that there's a conditional kind of love that exists, all right? I love you, but, or I love you if, I love you if you love me. I will meet your needs if you meet my needs first. It's, it's all conditional. Marriages and relationships in general work best when two people just can say, you know what, I love you, period. No strings attached. There's nothing, nothing that would make me love you any more, nothing that would make me love you any less. And so in our strength, we want to, to, to in our strength, we want to meet our own needs. We, we want to be selfish, don't we? But... With the power of Christ in our lives, I'll tell you what, it makes an incredible difference. The second C is cooperation. All great teams have something called chemistry. I don't care what team you look at, if they're a great team, they've got chemistry. And where, that, where, where you find, when, when you have chemistry, what you'll find is you will find a team that where everybody is working together for the common good. Everybody knows their role on the team. Everybody plays their role to the best of their ability so that the team all right, can be successful. When Jesus knew that he had one month to live, I want you to see how he, he, he loved his disciples completely. In uh, John chapter 13, verse 1, it says, 
It was just before the Passover feast, and Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Now, what did Jesus do? He showed them his love by serving them. He washed their feet. Jesus wanted to teach these men what their role needed to be on the team if the team was going to be successful. What did they need to do? They needed to serve one another. And so Jesus did something that only a servant would do. He washed their feet. He taught them to serve one another. All right? Now, I see so many couples that instead of serving one another, instead of cooperating with one another, what they do is they compete with one another. The Bible says that when two people come together to get married, what happens? They become one. All right? God's math, his equations, his, his, his math says one plus one equals one. In God's math, one plus one equals one. one. Together, you are one person. That means that if you hurt your spouse, you're hurting yourself. If you are holding bitterness or you're criticizing your spouse, spouse, you are criticizing and holding bitterness over yourself. You're belittling yourself. And so we've got to learn the word cooperation to become a team together. The third thing is the word commitment. Love is not love unless there's commitment. I read a story about commitment that was written uh, about the legendary basketball coach John Wooden from uh, UCLA. He, he actually passed away this past summer. Um, but this was written by one of his closest friends. I'm just going to read this. I want you to listen to this. It's great. It says, There has never been a finer person in American sports than John Wooden or even a finer coach. He won 10 NCAA basketball championships at UCLA, the last in 1975. Nobody has ever come even within six of them. He won 88 straight games. Nobody has come within 42 cents. There's never been another coach like Wooden, loyal to one woman, one school, one way, walking around in, in campus, uh, around campus in sensible shoes and in Jim, Jimmy Stewart morals. Discipline yourself and others won't need to, coach would say. Never lie, never cheat, never steal, and earn the right to be proud and confident. If you played for him, you played by his rules. Never score without acknowledging your teammate. One word of profanity and you are done for the day. Treat your opponent with respect. He believed in hopelessly out-of-date stuff, but never did anything but win championships. No long hair, no facial hair. It would take too long to dry, and you'll catch a cold leaving the gym, he would say. That one drove his players bonkers. One day, All-American center Bill Walton showed up with a full beard. It's my right, he insisted. Wooden asked if he believed that strongly, and Walton said he did. That's good, Bill. I admire people who have strong beliefs and stick by them. I really do. We're going to miss you. Walton shaved it right then and there. Now Walton calls Coach once a week to tell him how much he loves him. Wooden is almost 90 now, but on the 21st of the month, the best man I know will do what he always does on the 21st of the month. He'll sit down and he'll pen a love letter to his best girl. He'll say how much he misses her and loves her and can't wait to see her again. Then he'll fold it once, slide it into a little envelope and walk, in, and, 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 um, walk it into his bedroom. He'll go to the stack of love letters sitting there on her pillow, untie the yellow ribbon, place the new one on top and tie the ribbon again. The stack will be 180 letters high then because the 21st will be, the, will be 15 years to the, to the day since Nellie, his beloved wife of 53 years, died. In her memory, he sleeps only on his half of the bed, only on his pillow, only on top of the sheets, never between, with just the old bedspread they shared to keep him warm. You see, that kind of commitment is the key to lasting love. 
Here's what I've learned about love. It is not natural for me to want to meet the needs of others ahead of my own. It's more natural for me to just want to be selfish. When I meet the needs of my family over my own, I want to tell you what it is to me. It is supernatural. It's supernatural. When I'm able to look at Amy, my wife, and I'm able to meet her needs above my own, it's supernatural. It's supernatural for me to want to serve my kids above my own needs. It's supernatural for me to want to serve a coworker, okay, before wanting my, my needs uh, served first, all right? Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 says this, For God is working in you. For God is working in you, all right? Giving you the desire to obey Him and the power to do what pleases Him. God wants to give us the desire and the power to meet others' needs in front of our own, all right? And only God can do that. You can't build a great marriage, the kind of marriage that God wants you to have, outside of the power of God. You can't raise um, emotional, healthy children, the kind of children that God wants us to raise, outside of the power of God, all right? You can't love the people that God has put in your life the way that God wants you to love them outside of the power of God. It's God's power that allows us. It's God's power and it empowers us to put meaningful actions behind the word love. Actions that will bring security and clarity to any relationship. And so not only do we have to accept one another, but we've got to love each other with actions. And then we need to, and this is a big one, and this is a tough one. We have to learn to forgive one another. If we're going to love one another completely, then forgiveness has got to be part of the mixture. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, it says bear with each other. It means, it means make exceptions for the differences that we have with each other, all right? Cut people some slack around you, okay, because they're different than you, because they do, do things differently. And he says, and then forgive whatever grievances you might have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, where in the world do we get the power to forgive someone who has deeply hurt us? We get it from the cross, all right? And, and because you'll never forgive anyone in your life more than Christ has forgiven you, okay, we have to rely on the cross and the power of the cross for that forgiveness. Now, there is not a week that goes by, honestly, that I don't find myself looking to Amy and saying, listen, I am sorry for either something stupid that I said or something crazy that I did. I'm just being honest with you. And, and I find myself uh, at times, many times, looking at my boys and saying, guys, Taylor, Zach, I, I, I am sorry. I just mess up in the way that I deal with you guys sometimes. I'm, I'm not a perfect parent, and I mess up or I, I get too upset or whatever. And, and I want you to know, guys, I'm just sorry I overreacted, all right? There are things that I, misunderstandings, a selfish attitude, a mistake that I've made, all right? But I think it's important as parents that we tell our children that we're sorry when we mess up. Why? Because they need to hear those words come out of our mouth. They need to hear us humble ourselves and see us, uh, us humble ourselves and to say, I'm sorry. Why? Because there is tremendous power in the words, I am sorry. And there's an equal amount of power in the words, I forgive you. All right? And for some of us, we are just Three words away from taking our marriage to another level. I am sorry. I forgive you. In our relationships, we are just three words away from taking our relationships to another level. I am sorry. Or I forgive you. With our coworkers, I mean, we can just roll it out into all of these relationships. We're just three words away. George Herbert said, He who cannot forgive others destroys the bridge over which he himself must, must pass. Martin Luther King Jr. says, he who is devoid of the power to forgive is devoid of the power of love. You see, I want you to hear this. For a Christ follower, 
forgiveness is not an option, okay? It is not a choice. We don't have a choice. It's a command. And you know, you, 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 you know if, if, if you want to get a clear picture of what it truly means to love completely, that you, then you have to forgive. And where do we see that modeled more clearly, most clearly? We see it at the cross. You want power to love completely? You have to look to the cross. You have to draw from the power of the cross. 1 John 3.16 says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid his life down for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Christ showed us what the power of love was about when he went to the cross. And then he tells us this. This is how, that's how we are to love other people in our lives. He says we're to lay down our lives for them. What does that mean? We're to lay down our selfishness. We are to lay down our wants. We're to lay down our desires. We are to meet the needs of others first. We're supposed to serve others before we serve ourselves. It's what Jesus tells us to do. It's what he modeled for us. And so this morning, I want to challenge you to love completely. And to do that, you need the power of the cross in your life. You've got to fill yourself up every day and sometimes more than once with the power of the cross because it's there that, that God demonstrated his love for us by giving us his one and only son. So why? So that we could be forgiven. And when we receive this gift of love into our lives, guess what? Then we are enabled, we are empowered to share that with other people. I want to ask you a question this morning. Have you ever received that love into your life? I know most of you in this room, there was a point in time where you can say, I, I did receive that love into my life. But I guarantee you with a room this size with this many people, there, there are probably several of you that if you had to be honest, you would say, you know what, I don't remember ever a point where I asked Jesus to forgive me, where I asked Jesus to come into my life, where I received God's gift of forgiveness, where I received God's, God lo God's love into my life. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now, okay? But before I do that, I want to just say this to you again. We, we've been talking about, we've been talking about what if you had one month to live? And as I said earlier, listen, if we knew we had one month to live, you were sitting in a doctor's office and a doctor looked at you and said, you're full of cancer or you have a disease that's incurable or because of some strange whatever, you, you only have one month. Listen, I guarantee you, misunderstandings would go away. That me first attitude that's so easy for us to walk through life with, it, we, it, it would just fall aside. Mistakes, we wouldn't, we wouldn't hold on to them. Forgiveness would just be something we would automatically offer. We would accept one another, we would love with actions, and we would forgive. We just would. I've watched it way too many times question for us this morning is, if we would do that then, why can't we do it now? Why wait until you have one month to live? Let's choose to do that now. Let's choose to learn to love one another completely. Let's learn to take our marriages, our friendships, our relationships with whoever that may be to a whole different level by saying, Lord, this morning I commit myself to learn to love completely the people that you put in my life because you've empowered me to do that. With heads bowed, I go back to that question I asked a moment ago. Have you ever...
receive God's love into your life. And if you haven't, I want to give you that opportunity right now. Just say something like this. Lord Jesus, this morning, I need your forgiveness in my life. I am sorry for my sin. And this morning, I pray. And I put my faith and trust in you. And I ask that, Lord, that you would fill me with your love. I receive your gift of forgiveness. I receive your gift of eternal life. I receive your gift of love into my life. A love that I can't even comprehend. It's too powerful for me to even describe in words. But Lord, even though I'm not worthy of it, and there's certainly nothing I could ever do to receive it or to gain it in my own power or strength, I'm thankful that you have freely offered it to me. And this morning, I accept it. An act of grace. And help me to know what it means to live for you. If you just prayed that prayer this morning, um, as you walked through the door, you were handed a ministry guide. Inside there is a connection card. Would you fill that out for us and just check the box that says, this morning I prayed for the very first time to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. When you take that card out, those exit doors at the back, and hand it to someone at the Help Center, we want to help you to take a next step with Jesus Christ, to learn what it means to walk the abundant life, all right? To, to get on the full, full life, the abundant life journey that we've talked about for years here at Westridge, all right? For the rest of us, what step do you have to take this morning to begin to love completely? Who are you trying to change that you just say, you know what, I accept you. I'm not going to change you any longer. I'm not going to try to manipulate. I'm going to just accept you because you are a gift of God, a gift from God to me. I guarantee if you'll do that, some of those things that bother you, they may just slip away. Who is it that you, that you love but they don't know it? All right? You need to put some action into that love so that they truly feel cherished and they feel treasured. Who is it that you need to forgive this morning? You may be saying, you know what, I, what if I forgive them and I offer them forgiveness? I say I'm sorry, but they don't respond the way that I want them to. It's not, you're not responsible for their response. All you're responsible for is your words, your actions. Once you say it, it's off of your shoulders and you take it and put it on the shoulders of Christ because he's big enough to carry it. And so I don't know what that means for you this morning, but I want to ask you to stand need to come and pray. These steps are open to you. We'll have life care counselors on both sides of the walls in just a few moments if you need to come and talk with them. And right now, I'm going to ask James, just come and lead us. And you just respond how, however God would have you to respond at this moment.